Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today's a Q&A episode and I have three questions I want to go over. But first, before I dive into those, I just have a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. And with that, if you are sick of just focusing on weight loss and instead want a body recomp, then my one-on-one online coaching program is for you. I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. We also find at least one or two bottlenecks outside of like the training and nutrition protocol that are keeping you from seeing the results that you want to see. So we figure out what that is. So if you're interested in that, the link is in the show notes and, or you can reach out to me on Instagram if you want to chat about that in more detail. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues you have and, or map out a game plan for the next couple months for you. If you do want to learn more about a body recomp, I have my 75-minute masterclass on body recomp, what it is, how to do it, and you can find the link to that in the show notes as well. Next, if you can't, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. That's where I'm most active and put out the most content, and it's easiest to reach out to me. And then lastly, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, it's much appreciated, and I appreciate anybody, every any and everybody that listens to this podcast. With that out of the way, let's dive into today's question. So my first question I have is, should I use a TD calculator for a body recomp? These are basically just, it's you plug in some numbers, and it gives you your total daily energy expenditure, right? So it's going to tell you like, on average, how many calories you are going to burn for the day, right? So this would be helpful in terms of just knowing like how many calories to eat. So yeah, it would be a good way to just figure out where your calories need to be to help you manipulate your body weight in any way. Do I think you need, should you use this for a body recomp? First, it's not necessary. Like you don't have to use it. However, it's a good starting point to get an idea of where you need to be from like a energy expenditure standpoint. However, there's a good chance you will need to make some adjustments at some point. And so this kind of leads me into, I want to just go over the general topic of like TD calculators. And these can also be like calorie macro calculators as well. And just some of the common potential like pitfalls with them and where it can be useful. I'm sure that people have tried this before, right? You've tried to, you've plugged it, you plug this in and it's giving you your total daily energy expenditure, right? And maybe it didn't work for you. So this is a common issue I see in here every day. On paper, these calories and macros should work for whatever your goal is, but in reality, the body and tracking are very complex, and there are a lot of variabilities that come with both of these, right? So things like tracking, skill, genetics, et cetera. So because of this, these calculators or preset calories and macros are likely not going to be perfect in all cases, and I'd be willing to bet that in most cases, there will need to be adjustments to get them to what you need them to be for you. And so I want to go over a few things here. So like I said, cal- these calculators are great for getting you an idea of where you should be. It's going to get you in a ballpark, but there's just going to be this massive genetic variation. And again, like the tracking thing that's going to come in, come into it. The problem with these calculators, right? So I'm going to go over what the problems are, but then also give you some suggestions on what you can do here. So our bodies are complex. So the first problem here is our bodies are complex. And while these numbers can get you into a ball, into the ballpark, there is more that needs that goes into it. And sometimes they can be off. Okay. So things that can influence how many calories you burn in a day. Uh, so again, you're TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure. And these are things that the calculator probably cannot take into account. 
So first are going to be things like your overall NEAT levels, right? So non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Steps can fall into this, your overall movement, which those kind of do take into consideration that they'll ask you like how active you are, which gives you a general idea of your NEAT. However, there's things like fidgeting and sub subconscious movement that I find is very variable from person to person. And again, this goes into the genetic aspect of it, right? I'm sure you've seen some people that like, and I'm one of these people that just can't sit still. You always got to be moving around. And then you have somebody that just, that they don't do that. You got to imagine the person that's always fidgeting, moving around is going to be expending more calories than the other person. And this is where a, a TDE calculator is not going to, they're not going to catch that, right? So there's that. But then also things that can influence that are your current caloric intake, right? So somebody that's been in a deficit, they may expend less energy when they're in a deficit because their body's like, hey, we need to cut out some of that extra movement. Whereas somebody that's at maintenance or a surplus, they may move more when they're in that, right? So some, like if I'm in a building phase, my calories are a little bit higher. I may expend, I may be fidgeting a little bit more Then you catch me in a deficit and I may expend less energy through that. So that's the first thing. And then again, we just have genetics. Obviously the neat aspect of it that I just went over is going to play a role in this, but also some people just generate, like they just burn more calories than other people do, right? Like genetically, they're just going to have a, what you would call a faster metabolism. There was a graph that I saw where it's, I don't think I put it on this. I did actually put this. So basically there's people like, you can't see it. Obviously this is a podcast, but there's this graph. They did a study and there's people who burns, burn upwards of 3000 plus calories per day. And then others as low as like 1200. Most people are going to fall in that 16 to 2500 range. They showed somebody that was at 80 kg and this person's burning over 5,000 calories. Then you have another person at 80 kg. That's their total daily energy expenditure falls at 1200, right? So there's just going to be this variation there, right? That again, the calculator is not going to catch there. It's just not going to realize that's for you. So in saying that most people are going to fall within, like, I think I said, the 16 to 2,500 range. Okay. So again, this is going to get you within the ballpark, but in terms of it actually working for you, that's going to require some trial and error. So genetics are going to play a big role in that. Then we have muscle mass. So, you know, somebody that has more muscle is probably going to be expending more calories than somebody who has less muscle. So your muscle mass is going to play a role in that, which some of these calculators do ask you for your body fat percentage, which is going to play a role in that. Hormones could play a role as well too. If you're somebody that, again, maybe your overall health is lacking a little bit and some of your hormones are off, whether that's through birth control, poor sleep, maybe some things like hormonally, maybe you've been over-exercising, under-eating, you may have a down-regulated thyroid. So again, your TDE calculator is not going to take that into account. It's not going to ask you, hey, what are your hormone levels or what's this at? It's not going to take that in consideration. And that can be off based on what you've been doing previously. Because again, our hormones are just there. They're what you've been doing, like your body's going to adapt to what you've been doing to it. And it's going to find ways to help you survive. That's its main thing. So again, if things are suboptimal, it may downregulate certain hormones that normally should, that are a little bit lower than what they should be. Testosterone, thyroid, again, from women's health standpoint, estrogen, progesterone, like these things are all going to be important. And again, the calculator is not going to take that in consideration. Food quality. There's some research out there that shows that more nutrient-dense foods, less processed foods. So let me re let me state that again. More calorie-dense, more processed-type foods are how our body metabolizes those could be slightly different and the energy expenditure from that could be a little bit lower, right? So we know that there's a thermic effect of food where about 10% of your the amount of calories you burn in a day is going to come through like digestion, absorption, and just chewing and things like that. How we 
the types of food we eat can alter that slightly. Sleep levels can change this, right? You're getting poor sleep. That's going to change your hormonal profile. It could decrease your how many calories you burn in a day because you're you're not getting as much sleep. So sleep's going to play a role in this. And again, it probably has trickle-down effects to other things, right? Again, hormones, you're probably going to have less muscle mass. Neat, you're probably not going to have as much neat, right? So it's probably going to have more of a like a indirect role in it versus a, a direct role. However, some studies have shown that people that get poor sleep generally have a higher energy intake than those who get good sleep. Stress levels are going to play a role in that. And again, this is what I just talked about, but what you've done to your body in the past. If you're a chronic dieter, again, you're hormonal profile is going to be different from somebody else. And again, also how your body responds to that as well. Then we have our over-exercisers. That's going to cause some variation. If you're overweight, again, that's going to change that. Medications as well, right? This could influence your total daily energy expenditure, which again, the calculator is not going to take and it's not going to take account for that. And then your current energy balance as well too. Like I talked about earlier, if you're in an energy deficit, that's going to change your energy expenditure slightly. If you're at maintenance, if you're at a surplus, these are all going to be things that are going to play a role in this. And like I said there, these are all things are going to, that the calculator cannot take into account. So while it's going to get you in a ballpark, because like I said, most people are going to fall in that 1600 to 2500 total daily energy expenditure range. Again, some people higher, some people lower than that, but most people are going to fall into that. It gets you in the ballpark, but it's not going to be hundred percent accurate in most cases it could be, but yeah. And then the, so the next issue is going to be calorie counting is not precise. The next issue is that tracking calories isn't a precise method. I love to use it for clients to bring awareness, but it isn't a perfect method. And there isn't a perfect method for tr food tracking. Unfortunately, That's, there's going to be, it's always going to be subject to the person doing it. So for one, there can be up to a 20% margin of error, plus or minus what is set on the package in terms of calories. So even if you are weighing things out and you're putting what's on the what it says on the nutrition facts, just realize that can be off by up to 20% or downwards. And I would imagine in the most part, it's going to be probably higher than what they say is actually in there just because again, people are now becoming more health conscious and things like that. And then they're looking at these things. So these food companies are smart. So if I were to bet my money on it, I don't have anything that says that this is the case, but if I were to bet money on it and I had to do it, I would say they're probably going to be under the amount of calories they say are going to be under what is actually on there. So just keep that in mind, right? You could eat, you know, even if you are because a lot of times I bring this up to people and I'm like, hey, are you tracking? What does that look like? And they're like, oh, no, I'm. there's nothing. I'm weighing everything out. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Just realize that even if you are doing that, you could still potentially be off there. Second, tracking has a large skill component to it. And like any skill, it takes time to improve. And so most people naturally underreport how many calories they are actually eating, uh, sometimes on purpose, but also most of the time it's on accident. And again, this is due to the skill component. So we have two things going on here. We have that probably the number that's the calorie amount that it says is on there is probably off probably by, it could be up by up to 20%. But then also, you know, people just aren't great at tracking and they underreport. So you could see where these things start to add up. So while on paper, 2,100 calories should maintain your weight and you're logging 2,100 calories in your tracker, it could be that you're actually eating 2,500 plus calories per day. Now we have this fact that, Hey, you don't know that number is going to get you within the ballpark. But again, it could be off based on your genetics and all the things we mentioned. But then on top of it, we also have this era of tracking could be off as well too. So it's, so it's not, so what I'm trying to get here with this is you can use this, but it's going to get you in the ballpark. And it get, that's where after that's where the real coaching and the real change is going to be made is in those adjustments that you need to make to account for all these things.
So to sum up the issues, a calorie calculator is a great starting point, but from there, you will most likely need to make adjustments based on your results. If a calorie amount isn't working for you, it comes down to one, your TDE might be different than what the calculator says. Your tracking could be off and probably a combination, a little bit of a combination of both. So what do we do in that situation? Okay. So now we know, great. So how, like, what's the actual application here for me? So with clients to find what works for them, we look at a few things. We look at I look at their food log, okay, checking that, seeing, you know, what does this look like versus just, hey, what are your calories and macros? Hey, if you're not seeing the results that you want to see, and again, we have these calories number, these calorie numbers for you, what's going on? Let's look at your food log first. We work to improve tracking accuracy. So continually building that up, right? So we're looking at their food log. Hey, I see you track this. You went out to eat, you track this. This is how we can make this a little bit more accurate. Hey, I see that you had a meal that was just ground turkey, nothing else. Did you have any seasoning? Did you have any sauce? Did you have any veggies? Anything else with it? So something like that. Or if they're like, hey, I went out to eat and I had 300 calories. I had this and this and it was 300 calories. Did we track that accurately? So looking at that. Also looking at biofeedback. So if looking at things like digestion, hunger, cravings, energy, sleep, stress, training, performance, all these things, right? We want to look at that to see what, what's going on there with that. Monitor trends in body weight over time. That's going to be your best indicator of where your energy balance is at, right? If you're trying to drop weight and it's maintaining, you're closer to your maintenance calories than, your, than the amount of calories that you want to be at for that deficit. From there, again, now it's, hey, we look at your food log, what's tracking, what's your tracking been like? And then we cross-reference all this and then we make the potential adjustments. Again, somewhere along the lines, whether your energy expenditure is lower than you think it is or you're, it's lower than you think it is and you're not tracking accurately. Again, those are two things we need to troubleshoot there. All these impact if we increase, maintain, or decrease calories for them. So there's been multiple times where a client's calories are low on paper. So think like 1,500 or less, but biofeedback is in a good spot. So I use that as their relative number, even though they are likely eating more calories than that. Again, we just pay close attention to their biofeedback at that point, right? So it's, okay, yeah, if you told somebody you're eating 1,000 calories, everyone's going to throw their hands up in the air and be like, that's too low. That's not going to work. But if somebody is doing that, they're seeing results and like they're not super hungry, their training performance is fine, they're sleeping well, energy is in a good spot. And again, hunger, it's not, again, if you're trying to lose body fat, it's your hunger is probably going to be higher than it normally would be. But as long as it's not just extreme, then it's okay. You're in a good spot here and you're probably under reporting how many calories you're eating, right? And so it's like, that's their relative number because it's not so much the actual number that's important. It's more so just, are you seeing results, right? At that point. And then also cross-referencing that to their biofeedback, making sure they feel good. Because again, if it's a thousand calories, if they're at a thousand calories and they're super hungry, they just feel depleted. They feel like crap. They can't stop thinking about food. Sleep sucks. Libido sucks. They're not losing. It's like, okay. This is probably too low and we need to make an adjustment there with that. So again, I think the big part here is looking at that biofeedback, but hopefully this is helpful in terms of this is why just giving someone why using these calculators is not effective most of the time, but it's a great starting point. But from there, you need to know what adjustments to make or find someone who knows how to make adjustments if you are stuck and or require different calorie amounts and what is initially given there at that point. So hopefully that was helpful. Now let's dive into the next question, which I have, is it best to take the average weight of the week or the lightest for the week? And so what I like to do here is I like to take the average for the week. I think that's going to be your best that's going to be your best bet there, right? Taking the lightest for the week. Again, it could be a day after maybe you, maybe you fasted the day before, maybe you didn't eat very much. So if you take it off that, it's okay. That's not telling us the entire story. We need to take that average for the week and see where things are at. And so what I typically have clients do here is we weigh in first thing in the morning, post bathroom, pre-food or drink, and then they weigh in and then they take it, they jot it down. And then at the end of the week, the tracker I use calculates their average for the week. And then that's what we base their weight off of. And then, and this is where, again, to go back to what we just talked about, if you're somebody that's 
trying to lose body fat. Over time, you want to see that number trending down. Maybe it doesn't trend down every single week, but over an eight-week span, if your goal is to hit one pound per week, weight loss, you want to make sure that over time, that average for the week is about a pound per week. It can be easy to get caught up in day-to-day and be like, wait, I was 162 yesterday. Now I'm 163 today. I'm gaining weight. What's going on? I ate well yesterday. It's like, there's so many things that go into that. And so you put down 162, you put down 163, and then whatever else you have for the week, and then you take that average. And then that average that you have for that one week, you see where it's trending over time. And again, there might be a week where one week you take the average and it's 162.3. The next week it's 162.6. Could there be something off? Yes, but we need to look at longer trends because then what I see typically happen there is now the next week, the average is 168, 160.8. So now they're down almost two pounds. So there's this kind of, you have to zoom out and see where things are trending over time versus getting caught up in the short term here with this. So again, to summarize that, we want to take the average for the week versus taking the lightest for the week. I feel like if you do that, you're probably either, either way is fine. Cause again, if that lightest for the week is trending down over time, that's also a good sign. However, I just find that the weekly average is a little bit better, but you really can't go wrong with taking the lightest one. Just realize that there's probably some downsides to doing it that way. But again, if you are seeing that lowest, that lowest number trend down over time, that is another sign that you are in a energy deficit there. All right. So we got one more question. Is it okay to sometimes have a bad day, bad gym day, felt weak, and what to do after? And 100%, this is totally normal. You're going to have bad days at the gym. If you think every single training session is going to be good and you're going to progress, you're wrong. That's just not going to happen. You're going to have some days where you maybe didn't really want to go. And even if you did go, it wasn't the greatest. It was tougher to add weight. You didn't feel motivated. You weren't focused. Whatever it is, like you were going to have some days like that. It is what it is. You just have to... That's really how anything in life works. You're not going to, not every day is going to be your greatest, right? I always go back to sports where these people are at the top of the top and you think that they're just so accustomed to always winning, but it's like, they still lose all the time, right? Some guys less than others, but they still have bad day. They still have bad games. They have bad training sessions. They have bad practices. They have bad games. They have a bad week, a bad stretch of games. They have a bad season, right? Like these things are just going to happen. Same thing with business. You're going to have better months than others. You're going to have better days than others. But the big thing is that you, I think the moment you can get okay with that, like you're headed in the right direction there because you know that, hey, I just have to, it's not about one single day. It's about, again, the longer time frame here of what's going on. Now, if they start to become more of a norm, then you may want to look into things. Okay. So if you all of a sudden are like having out of four workouts, three of them are bad and you don't feel like great, you don't feel focused, you feel like they're not going well, that, at that point, you definitely want to look into it a little bit more. But if it happens every once in a while, don't stress over it. Again, maybe once a week, this is going to happen. It just depends. And it also depends on what you consider a bad workout or a bad day at the gym too, right? Like for some people, a bad day is, that's a great day. For some people, a bad day is a really bad day. But just, it all depends what your mindset is towards it as well too. So just keep that in mind, but hundred percent, you're going to have bad days and fitness. It's going to be up and down again. So long as over time it's trending up, but if you zoom in, it's probably going to be up and down. You're going to have some good days. You're going to have some bad days. But again, if those bad days start to outweigh those good days, definitely a sign that you need to look into things a little bit more. So if you do have a bad session, what do you, what do you do after? What I would do is, Hey, just move on. Just focus on the next workout, make sure things are good there. You can check to see if anything was off, like your sleep, nutrition, stress, et cetera, and see if you can make that better the next time. But then from there, you're just moving on. Hey, it is what it is. I didn't have a great day. Was my sleep off? Oh, you know what? I actually didn't sleep very well last night. There was a storm in the middle of the night. I woke up. That could be what it is. Or maybe stress was a bit higher. I actually am under a little bit more stress than I thought I was. Or you know what? I did skip that meal the day before. I did skip the meal before my workout. 
So I think if you can look into these things a little bit and see if there's anything off that helps you there. And then you can be like, okay, so now I know moving forward, Hey, if that happens, I'm going to be at a higher risk of not having a great session. I think that helps you understand that there's nothing wrong with you. It's just the things that we do, our inputs are going to be the most important and they do affect things later on down the line. So hopefully that was helpful. Let me know if you guys have any questions on this and I will chat with you next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at JeffH91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.